Now we return you to the test card and some music. Welcome to the Pilot Take 116, a weekly podcast reviewing the pilot episodes of television shows, past and present. He is drinking Mango Loco. And that guy who isn't drinking Mango Loco, and now he is, is Mr. Rob Jelly. Cheers, everybody! Cheers! Rob Jelly the third. All right, Jed Shepard. Yes, I am. How are you? Good, thank you. Very good. Um, Just had a big lunch, as we tend to do before recording. Absolutely. So I am stuffed full of veggie food. And drinking Mango Loco. The drink of choice. Living living the dream, we are. Living the dream. (laughs) Unofficial sponsors of the pilot podcast. (laughs) But if anyone works for Monster Energy Drinks, who makes Monster, actually? Are they their own company? Uh, I think so. We should tweet them. Devil makes this because I think they're not. Ah, uh, yes, it is the devil's it's jism, the devil, as yeah. it says here. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but don't forget, it does, it does have uh, uh, alcohol. I'll guess what I said there because I'm going to blank that out in the edit. <laughs> I really, oh, God. Uh, but you know, very good, thank you. All energised up. Um, Indeed. You've uh, been out film watching recently. You've watched obviously a lot of television for yes. the podcast, but you've been out watching a lot of film. What have you seen? Filmed at London Film Festival, which is uh, now. Recommendation, yeah. please. Uh, I watched The Lighthouse, which is the Willem Dafoe and um, uh, R. Pat's film. Right, caveat to this um, yeah. Jed Shepard, if you've not listened to this podcast for very long, right. uh, would love to buy and live in a lighthouse. I really, so this film really would. was just written for him. It was. Um, and now I'm starting to think otherwise. Really? It's a lot of upkeep. Uh, Willem Dafoe really put our patch to see the ringer. And um, so it'd, it'd be quite hard to keep the upkeep of it without going to disrepair. But I won't be like trying to save ships or anything. I'll just be like, turn it into a cinema or something, I don't know. Uh, but it's very, very good. And it's, um, if you've seen the poster, it looks really dreary and gloomy, but it's actually really, really funny, surprisingly. I um, also saw the new Nick Cage film, which is The Colour Out of Space. Right. Which is Nick Cage versus weird aliens um, in his house. Standard. Classic. Classic Nick Cage. Um, and what's The Lodge, which is uh, from the directors of Goodnight Mummy. Don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's nope. a really cool um Sounds terrifying. Wouldn't, stay, wouldn't go near that with a barge bomb. You wouldn't go near The Lodge. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't either. It's <laughs> okay. gloomy. It does have Alicia Silverstone in it, though. Right. And she ha- she's aged very well, actually, okay. since the clearest days. Um, and yeah, very good film. Totally. I, I've only gone to see good films, actually, at the moment. Um, good and, habit to be in that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't, don't spend your time going to see rubbish films. Yeah, exactly. Waste your time. Um, but you're a big fan of the Sex and the City 2 movie, right? Oh, mate. <laughs> How movie? many times have I seen that? <laughs> Goodness gracious. I could probably quote that film backwards. We should do a Sex and the City standalone podcast where what? I'm forced to watch Sex and the City. What, just, well, uh, we can just review every episode of Sex and the City? I think That s- must exist. I think Sex and the City fans out there would love for us oh. to review every episode and just be like, what the living <laughs> F is going on here? <laughs> Who speaks like this? Can I can I give a shout out to a podcast which is actually starting? Uh, would have started last week actually because okay. um, we're on take one one six. But last week's episode one hundred and fifteen features uh, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, um, aired or was released. Sorry, uh, the day that a brand new podcast about The Office. Uh, has landed. Wow. I found out about this uh, through the grapevine. Um, I can't believe of all the podcasts out there reviewing television shows episode by episode, mm-hmm. Monkey Tennis, of course, being the leading example in this, yep. um, 
I can't believe no one's done The Office. No, they have. There's loads. Oh, are there? <laughs> okay. So, I know two separate people who have Office podcasts. I'm not sure why the one that particularly came to my attention came to my attention oh, recently, okay. but apparently they've just started it. Oh, nice. Cool. No I mean, it's a why. classic show. It'll keep them going for a long, long time. But there are quite a few out there. Big votes for us. Mm-hmm. We loved it. We loved all seven versions of it. Yeah. Was it seven <laughs> versions? Eight versions? Something like that. Spanish, German, French, Canadian. Yeah. And the UK one the is Chilean the one. best version of the pilot yeah we found but i think overall as a series the american office is better for me i know you don't agree with no it's fine i mean i can understand i mean ricky gervais only wanted to write two series so yeah fine but steve carell and the team wanted to continue it on and then do several seasons go no problem made ricky gervais a lot of money absolutely i'm sure he's laughing um but uh yeah otherwise otherwise uh all good um i've got a show i want to put on the list for not maybe next week but in a few weeks time okay um show i've never even seen before but i'm bringing them something automatically intrigued by okay uh, as i was having a discussion about whodunits right i went to a whodunit last week a friend was in an amateur dramatics group um and uh, often invites us to go and see the shows and they're very very good and she said i've got a whodunit night on do you want to come? I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. I, I do I do uh, proclaim to be a pretty good detective. I'm sure I can oh, suss yeah. it out before okay. it even starts. Yeah, Detective Jelly, I, yep. I would uh, let you find totally, my lost dog. Totally took the wrong bait, didn't I? Uh, Did yeah, got suckered right oh, in. I saw this on Twitter. Yeah, got suckered right in. Yeah. Uh, Are you allowed to use your phone during a whodunit? No. I was going to say. No, but obviously it was before the show started, so I do, I, right. I do a little tweet and it reminded me to talk about it right, right, with right. yourself and, and others. And uh, yes, yeah, so I got completely wrong. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I found by doing a bit of research on whodunits, mm-hmm. there was a television game show in the 70s okay. called Who Done It, presented by Hang John Pertwee. A television show in the 70s called Who Done It. Is this about the presenters from Top of the Pops? No. Okay. No, that's let's about uh, that the yeah. Let's, uh, let's turn this this vehicle <laughs> because they all did it. Yeah. They all did it. <laughs> let's turn this vehicle around. It was a different time. Um, but yeah, Doctor Who, John yeah. Pertwee, wow, presenting a show called Who Done It. Amazing. So, oh, Who Done It? Yeah, uh, but not but not because he's Doctor Who yeah. or formerly Doctor Who, uh-huh. but just Who Done It. I'd watch John anyway, Pertwee open a bag it of looked, crisps. It looks incredible. It yeah. might be awful, but can we do it at some point? Yeah. Hashtag. Put it on the list. Put it to the top of the list. I'm intrigued by Okay, that. we can do that soon then. But yeah. um, we have got two shows, uh, other shows to do this week. And um, one I'd very, very vaguely heard of before, which was your suggestion. And one I just started watching because it's a new one on the Beeb. Mm-hmm. Um, so which do you want to go first? You or me? Let's, let's do me. All right. Um, my choice this evening is one of the shows that inspired a lot of the crime shows that followed it in terms of the technical style and uh, the grittiness and it's something you may not have watched but have heard a lot about it's homicide life on the street thing about the theme song uh, to Homicide Life in the Streets mm-hmm. is it's all over the place. It is like, <laughs> but this is good because it represents, it, this is set in the city of Baltimore, which is a very multicultural town, people from all over the world kind of like congregate there. Mm-hmm. And it's reflected in the theme songs. You've got pan flutes from oh. wherever pan flutes are from. Where are pan flutes from? The mountains, the Andes or something. China. I, India. Think, I think they're a Chinese instrument. Okay. Then you've got bongos. Yep. That's from Streatham. So it's from, it's from somewhere. 
Um, I mean, it is it is multi instrumental, yeah. and very um, right. So, in a weird way, the yeah. title sequence, which does follow uh, on after a, a brief opening scene, which we'll come back to in a second, the title sequence shows the multi cultural sort of area and society that is set in in the Baltimore region mm-hmm. and visually covers all bases of and, and all types of people. However, yeah. is in black and white. Interesting. So the whole opening title sequence and the title sequence only is black and white. There's occasional tiny oh. flickers of red and blue, if I'm right in saying this, but it's it's black and white through and That's through. Do you think that like is trying to say that Crime is black and white. It's Either black, you're yeah. a criminal it, or you're not. Yeah, wow. I, there's a very subtle. There's a very subtle <laughs> suggestion there. Either that's an accidental brilliance, yeah. or that's deliberate genius. It was probably deliberate. Um, but yeah, mixed against these bongos and these pan flutes and this weird percussion, weird instruments from all around, little, little like bell chimes and things. Really interesting. And a little, not, little less sound effects from like the you know, cop radios yeah. and things. So little sirens in the background every now and then. I wouldn't say it's memorable, though. I'd say it's interesting rather than memorable. Correct. Like, you couldn't hide it. If someone would go, oh, yeah, let's all sing the Homicide Life in the Streets theme song, yeah. everyone would have a fit. In key of G, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't remember it yeah. as such. It's more like a tone setting. Uh, yeah, it's more, yeah, yeah, definitely. And talking of tone setting, the, the cold open at the start, uh-huh. um, the interesting thing to me is, because um, I'd never seen this before, it's how they filmed it. It's like you don't know they're cops. You just think they're just two guys on the street talking to each other. Mm. And their dialogue is very, I think, uncop-like at the start. They're looking for something. Yeah. Um, and you think, okay, almost, the criminals almost looking for... Almost mob-like a, rather yeah, than cop-like. Exactly. I, I thought criminals. They're criminals. They're looking for, like, a gun that they've, like, f- dropped or something. Um, Trying to cover their tracks, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. But then you come to see that they are actually police officers looking for a projectile yeah. from, a, from an incident that's just happened. If I'm right in saying, that would have been... Um, the two cops chatting would have been Steve Crossetti and Meldrick Lewis, played by John Polito and Clark Johnson. Yes, Crossetti um, and Lewis. And the um, and because I've kind of like done a, little, done a little bit of research about this TV show, that scene, the very first thing we see there, is also it's reflected as the very last scene of the very last series. Okay. Did you oh, s- oh, the last series. The last series, yeah. The very last scene is is that scene kind oh, of in reverse ah. where they're saying the same lines, but they're saying it each other's lines. So as if they've like, the character's like an Been art. here before. Yeah. It's very, oh, wow. very clever. So, uh, so that would have been in what, season seven? The end of season yeah. seven? And like, when you structure like a, a film, for instance, I think I've mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, the first image you see and the last image you see should mirror. Mm. So the audience kind of knows it's like the story's completed almost. Kind of like the way that Toy Story 1 starts and Toy Story 3 ends. Oh, yeah, that's a very, very good point, actually, yeah. Because you get the clouds. Yeah. It starts in the clouds and pans yes. down to the house that the Toy Story is set in, Andy's yeah. house. And then 3 it goes up. pans up yeah. back to the yeah. sky as if to say, story complete. Which another which reason. We, which is why we don't need Toy Story 4. <laughs> it's very true. But anyway, no spoilers about it. And then we're not here to talk film. Yeah. Um, black and white uh, imagery, fast changes, moving, oh, but man. quite a lot of detail. Yeah. So very up close to things like, there's a few up close shots of like the police badge, yeah. people's faces. Um, so this style of, of and very film, tense music to go with it yeah. as well. This style of filming, it was kind of not done before, and it influenced all the police detective shows after this. Obviously, very influential to The Wire, which is also set in Baltimore. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there Here were we a lot again. of similarities. Um, but if you notice, 
um, well, I noticed this. They, they do a lot of things that you're told not to do when, when, you're, when you're filming. For instance, you're not, you're not meant to cross the lines, which means if an actor's looking, if you're filming an actor and he's looking from left to right, yep. you, you always shoot him from left to right. If you shoot... Why? Because the audience get confused really easily and they, they get... If you're shooting it any other way, if you change the way oh, it's looking... Oh, no, that's nonsense. You, if you treat your audience like idiots, they will become idiots. The, these are the conventions from film and TV. Don't care, they're all from wrong. Day one. No, it's true, but you, you probably... Because everyone does it, you won't have noticed it. But then I was just like, oh, wow, they've crossed the lines. Because suddenly it cuts to that same character looking the other way from right to left and you're just like, okay, this is weird, but I'm loving it because like you never see it anymore. And then I was just like, right, this must have been a choice because no one would do that accident. Ac- like on, on like accidentally doing accidentally once is one thing but to do it deliberately time yeah. and time again is so i googled it i was like like just for that shot and there's loads about that particular like shot when they're oh, just talking okay. um and the director said he what, what he wanted he didn't care about conventions what he wanted to do was just whatever the best take was of an actor that's what we're using just the best take every time oh, okay because so, I, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say has he maybe done that because he wants to create this sort of element of confusion lots of to, to reuse a phrase, crossover between uh, cases that are going on, that very you know, lots of open cases at any one time. We'll come to, back to that point in the moment with the whiteboard. Yeah. Um, I wondered if maybe there was a deliberate use of that bad technique on purpose in order to create this sort of sense of there's so much going on, nobody's really sure yeah. you know, where we're at with this, that and the other. Yeah, I don't know, maybe the there's even, a, even more sort of subliminal reason for doing it. I don't know. Well, there's, there's lots of things like to do, especially with, with, the, with the filming t- shooting techniques. For instance, if you notice, the edits are strange, but also they have a lot of shots where it's as if you're there in the scene where the camera's looking at one character, the other character starts talking, and the camera just whips over to the next character to see him talking, as if you're a character there with them yeah, there's in a the moment middle of the scene. Later in the episode... Um which is 50 minutes, by the way, so it's like an hour-long one. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where there's three of them walking down a street and there is obviously one cameraman and he does yeah. that. But that, but And, and it's, it, was gonna, it was almost going to be a criticism, mm-hmm. but now you've mentioned the camera thing and the deliberate use of doing it wrong yeah. in speech marks. Um, I think perhaps maybe this was done very deliberately and, but very cleverly as well. The three of them having a, a conversation about the same thing, walking down an alleyway, cameraman's obviously going backwards, yeah. starts with a middle guy mm-hmm. who's a, who's the tallest as well. They're really line people up wrong here. Could have done this with more sensibly. Uh, it kind of goes from the, the, the middle guy down to his left, yeah. our right. Um, he starts saying something. The third guy then interjects that... Mm-hmm who then is interjected by the first guy again, yeah. who goes back to the third guy, mm-hmm. to his right, and then back across. And it's like a deliberate triangle the whole time. Yeah. And the cameraman, and it never cuts it. It's all one shot, yeah. seamlessly As done. if you're there in the alley Yeah, as if, as if you're part of the, you're the fourth member of that yeah. conversation, and you're just moving your eyes yeah. from the one who's talking to the and, next. And like this, I mean, obviously there will be examples of this happening before in other TV shows, but this is a TV show that kind of started this as a convention where you can do that. You don't have to do an edit to a close-up. You don't yeah. have to um, have another angle. Like, sometimes it's just best just to let them play the scene out. Um, All right, quick synopsis yeah. of the show then. So it is essentially um, a homicide department in the Baltimore Police de- uh, Department. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going about their cases. Just going it? about their yeah. stuff. I mean, it's, I, it's nothing more complicated than that. Yeah. I was... Unsure whether or not this was going to be a straight drama, 
um, more of a thriller, more kind of psychological, more not horror. More going to have like a bit of comedy, a bit like Hill Street Blues had a little bit more kind of like comedy in it. So I think that when I when I say that this <coughs> show is influential, <coughs> I think this is very influenced by Hill Street Blues. It's like Hill Street Blues, but but kind of grittier. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's actually the it's same a bit team. Of grit. Yeah, I think it's actually the same team that made Hill Street Blues. Okay, so you can see some of the some of the um, influences there. Um, but yeah, like I think the tone's interesting because it is the some of the dialogue that they speak is nothing to do with the cases. Like I'm, I'm kind of used yeah. to them just case, case, case. But sometimes they just talk about their family. They talk about what's that film called? That time when they, they yeah. were trying to think of the film name, and they were just like, "Is that oh, when they send the new guy upstairs to get the coffee because yeah. the coffee machine is down?" So he goes, "But the coffee machine's over there." He goes, "Yeah, but that's our coffee." Yeah, so, I love that. I, line. I, I mean, that was wonderful, wonderful. And, <laughs> and on that note, that to, was ad libbed as yeah. well. And that's <laughs> our coffee. <laughs> and on that note as well, uh, worth giving a mention to Detective Tim Bayliss, who is the yeah. new detective in town. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just arrived, uh, so there's your new guy. Yeah. There's your new character coming in. Uh, one of the things we look for a lot on this is that character that we're going on the journey with. Yeah. You're being introduced into this show in episode one. The audience needs an and you need, you need to follow. You need a vehicle to get it, kind of get on board with, yeah. and that can often be a new character or a character changing direction slash journey. Yeah. Um, so Tim Bayliss is kind of our guy mm-hmm. in that sense. We're, we're joining the police department with him. Yeah. But there's a lot of egos in this precinct. Oh, Lots yeah. of cases ongoing at once. Hard to keep up. We see four cases at once, and like really, because I thought there was about nine. There's uh, well, they mention other cases, but there's four we kind of like see like evidence for, mm. um, and yeah, and when when this was made, the produ- the kind of network was just like, yeah, we just want one story, mate. We just it's just confusing, yeah. but like I can see why they would say that as well because I think it's it is quite tricky to keep up. Well, with. well most TV shows in the past would have done that, but then this reflects a, a Baltimore Police Department. There's multiple cases going on at the same time, <laughs> people being pulled away from that case. And I love the dynamics because this is actually based on a book um, called Homicide, uh, A Year on the Killing Streets by David Simon. And it's just about his real life experience of being on the streets of Baltimore, seeing mm-hmm. these like cases all coming in at the same time. And you get all of these like egos, like, like you say, um, in, in, the, in the police there seems to be a sort of synchronicity amongst the team for sure yeah. like they all understand that the job is tough is multitasking and that sort of stuff um but i i, I, don't, I hope i wrote this down yeah uh, i did yes so um i'm jumping forward a little bit yeah, here sorry. but the first time someone smiles in the whole episode is 41 minutes in was that um... it's the first smile and it's and I can't remember which one which of the characters it is it is the uh, greying uh, the kind of stocky guy with grey hair um, oh that's going to annoy me Pem- I Pem- Pembleton? no not Pembleton no not Frank no um, the, the quite chunky white guy with the white silvery yeah, hair I can't remember what his name is yeah. he, he goes down to see the coroner yeah. and um, and it's a lady and that was done in a real morgue by the way was it really? In a real morgue, so they hated filming in there, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk about giving everyone the real, real realism. Yeah. Um, so he goes down to the coroner's office, or the... the, um, med- or the morgue, The, the morgue. Yeah. He goes down to the morgue, or, or the... Uh, what was it, they call it the mag- medical examination room, yeah. uh, as, the, as the guy corrects him, because uh, the new PC terms are coming in. Yeah. And, yeah, he, he says hello to the coroner, and he goes, what's a pretty thing like you doing in a place like this? Or something along those lines. A little bit dated reference, but... Nonetheless, yeah. uh, it throws it in there and she says something back and she has quite a good quick retort to him um, and she turns around and cracks on with the job 
and he stands there and gen- genuinely smiles, a bit like a kind of like, you know, oh, she's quite nice, you know, yeah. like uh, maybe I get to know her a little bit. And yeah. that's, you know, it is what it is, you know, work relationships happen, of course mm-hmm. they do. They've been happening for hundreds of years, they'll continue to happen. But enough about your office. What, um... Absolutely, but enough about my office. Um, <laughs> that, that was the, f- I mean, it just, it seemed so, it didn't make you feel down or mm-hmm. depressed or anything, but. Yeah. Nobody looked like they were enjoying anything going on I in this show. You can imagine the homicide department. Yeah. But I did feel like I was one of the team. I was like, okay, what's our next case? I did, when, when I was watching it, I was like really drawn in. And like some of the cases weren't like amazing, like it, in terms of if you watch a TV show now, like the, TV, like the show we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah. That is like a, like a, almost like an epic, like exciting case. Some of these cases weren't exciting, they felt more. Real. Routine. Yeah, exactly. And that, that sounds horrible because it's about someone being killed. No, or... you're right though. But like, and also some of the, the, the thing that I like about this TV show, it is quite mundane in parts. And usually that would be a criticism. But I love the scene where they go into that garage with all the police cars and they can't, oh, flipping they can't find their police car because so, they all look the same. So they ditch, so Tim gets um, paired up with Frank Pimbleton. Now Frank is an absolute, you know, rebel, but he's a, He's a ruddy good cop yeah. and he seems to be the guy that everyone wants to kind of be or beat yeah. uh, to an extent. He's he's just top notch. He's got something that the others just don't have. Yeah. Um, and uh, he basically doesn't write down which car the keys that he has in his pocket are assigned to. And all the cop cars in this garage, and there are a lot of cars in this garage, yeah. are identical. And so he goes, oh, it's in here somewhere. And he just spends... The whole time trying to dig out the, you know, find the right car. So he goes, it's the next one. He goes, it might be the next one, but it's the next one eventually. So, so I, I, again, I looked into this because I was like, how do they get that many cop cars? So I think it was the month before they filmed this, the Baltimore Police Department retired that makeup car. So all of the cars were just from, shipped in for one yeah. shot type thing. And the producers paid $1 for all those cars because they, the police just needed to dump it. They were going to be scrapped. Yeah. And only two of those cars actually worked. So I, I'm guessing they only used two cars in total um, and just repeat using it in the whole of um, uh, of this show. And all the other cars are just duds, basically with no engines and things like that. But it was such an epic scene. Like now it'd probably be done with CGI, but it was just like an epic, endless, like lot of like, these police cars. That yeah. Just, just brilliant. It was really clever. It was it was something, as you say, there was the, there's an element of mundanity to this show, yeah. which you don't see often anymore because it has to be all fast paced and, you know, full of action all the time because apparently we've got no attention spans. Yeah. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, to be honest with you, if, you, if you're going to write a show that's dumbed down and doesn't make me engage with it or at least try to engage with it, yeah. I'm not going to watch it. Exactly. I, think, I think that probably echoes quite strongly in all the shows we've watched and rated really highly. Yeah. They've... You, they make you invest in it. Yeah. Um, and I think when I originally sat and watched this, I I, I felt like I was kind of behind mm-hmm. all the time. I was constantly chasing my own tail, trying to keep up with who's doing what case? What, who, which case is this? Yeah. Have they, haven't they solved this one yet? Or <laughs> wasn't this the other one they were doing before the, 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 the guy? And, and it was a little bit, mm-hmm. it was a little bit much. Yeah. But because it was making me work for it. Yeah. Thinking about it reflectively now, mm-hmm. I feel like actually I probably invested more of my concentration in it yeah. than I have other shows. It definitely didn't dumb it down. That's the thing. Some, some it doesn't dumb it, dumb, it, dumb it down. But You're this right. was just like, this is what happens in the police department. And this is based on real life as well. Um, some incredible characters that I just oh, want to give man. a mention to oh, before yeah. we sort of uh, start wrapping up on this. Um, Jerry Jimson. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that was just a weird. He was just weird. Um, but that was a, that was a clever bit of editing as well. Very very slapdash sort yeah. of cuts in the edit to make it almost seem like he was a little bit maybe schizophrenic, perhaps. Yeah. Um, that sort of very you know saying something you know that's a bit bit irrelevant to the you know the question he was asked, and then there was a kind of not a obvious cut, but there was an edit just just rough enough for you to know that they'd edited that little bit there. And then it was like very slightly just sat in a different angle and then yeah, yeah, saying yeah. A, something, another sentence that makes no sense to the one previous. And then another quick edit. And then it's like he's timed a little bit further around. And mm-hmm. there was like a, a subtle, deliberate, bad editing job going on there to make potentially Jerry seem like a very weird, odd character. Yeah, the editing is with. like very interesting in the show. Like, mm. Yeah. The grave digger guy, cemetery guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a total dude. I mean, they dig up. They they um. What's, they the, what's, the, what's the word? Um, Cast? Uh, no. When you dig up a grave, you exhume, exhume. exhume a, um, a grave. Yeah, and that's based on a real story, by the way. Exhume is and getting the wrong body. Really? Yeah. That that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but they exhume a body um, to sort of go back over an old case uh, that may be sort of coming back round. Um, turns out it's the wrong person. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's the grave. He goes, he's obviously just not in the right one. Yeah. I'm like, well, then where is he? Then he goes, ah, he'd be in the one next to it. Or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> and this is the way he's like so flippant about it. And I'm like, dude, this is, this is, the whole graveyard might be completely mismanaged yeah. and misfiled. Um, he was, he was wonderful, wonderfully weird. Um, I, I really like the, um, uh, the, the shift commander lieutenant uh, G. Um, mm-hmm. Played by Yafet Koto, and I love Yafet Koto. He's in like multiple like good movies from like the seventies and eighties. Love him. He's got one of those most interesting faces. I've seen him in prison movies. I've seen him in action movies. I've seen him in comedies, and now I'm seeing him in a gritty crime uh, drama. And you can tell when he's on screen. For me, he's the best actor there. I mean, he's authority, isn't it's he? Just a bunch of perfect casting, great actors. But for me, I love Yafet Koto. So seeing him here as like the boss, basically. Um, loved it. See, I, I, I actually, I actually wrote down that um, Frank was Jed's guy. <laughs> no, I like Frank. I do like Frank as well. <laughs> Frank, Frank just had this swagger about him. I was like, Jed's gonna love Frank. I do like Frank. Jed's, Jed's. I think Jed may actually be in love with Frank a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, I, I wrote down Frank is Jed's guy. Frank, Frank is almost my guy, but um, G, G is your guy. G's, G's my guy for this one. Yeah, okay. yeah. Just because I like him from the previous stuff he's done, so he carries a lot of the weight on his shoulders. <laughs> Um, it, it's nice because it brings you to the end of the episode with uh, Detective Tim Bayliss, uh, yeah. Kate's coming in, and the, I can't remember her name, I didn't write that down either, idiot. Um, she says, uh, the phone goes, and it's essentially yeah. one of those things where the first detective that answers the phone is the lead on the case. <laughs> so they let the phone ring, and obviously they, they bat it up between them. They, they kind of go, would you want it? And then they sort of because if you've got a couple of cases on the go you don't want to take on another one and end up being pulled from pillar to post so I feel like that's real life first what happens and that probably, yeah. yeah you're probably right that probably does happen like that um, and the, the way she sort of turns to him and says do you want it mm-hmm. and he's like yeah I do so he picks the phone up and you know Detective Bayliss and then off they pop and yeah. then he gets there and you know it sort of closes there as he's just about to take on his first case yeah. in the department so you know you kind of get the 
let's say the mundanity thrown in for good measure, but you get him kind of coming into it, meeting the team, getting a little bit of a, you know, pull around from the, the, the guys who've been there a while. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's getting his hands dirty, he's getting straight in there and getting on with it. Yeah. Um, and you were going to talk about the whiteboard, weren't you? Yeah, the whiteboard is the only thing I, other thing to mention was, yeah. I love the idea of this whole sort of names on the board along the top. Solve uh, cases. Solve the cases. cases. So you, yeah, so you have two different colour pens, red pen and a black pen. Uh, if it's a red pen, it means the case is open yeah. and you write the surname of the victim. Uh, and then a number, which I don't understand what that corresponds to. Maybe it's the case number. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Um, and then once you've solved the case, you rewrite the name in black. Mm-hmm. And I guess it gets wiped every month or something yeah. like that. And it sort of resets. But yeah, it's almost like a... In a way, it's a bit like the sticker chart you used to have in school. Yeah. Now, yeah, like, you yeah. do really, really well. You get like <laughs> stickers. And it's a bit like, you know, just to make sure everyone's pulling their weight. Everyone can see what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And I guess that way, if a phone call comes in and says, oh, it's about the butcher case. Yeah. And then you go like, oh, where's butcher, 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 butcher. Oh, it's under so-and-so. Okay, so it's, you know, the detective's name is so-and-so. Or, oh, it's under Jones. All right, Jones is being done by detective whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously the, the code, the red and black code is the open and closed thing. And I like that. Yeah. It's, um, it reminds that's a me... system I think we should bring in place at work. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of Hill Street Blues. I don't, I don't even remember Hill Street Blues. Every episode started with the, the, yeah, with the roll the call. briefing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and the, the briefing call. about the, the case. And it always ends on that as well. Um, I, I just love Hill I feel Street like Blues. That's a kind of, yeah, I feel like that's, the whiteboard is a kind of go-to to see where you're at. Yeah. Um, and often for the audience to watch them write it from red to black, yeah, you're like, yeah. case closed. And I've, I've read that... Some... And you can kind of park that storyline in your brain yeah. away. But it's also, it's before like the internet age um, where people now are probably like pausing on that like and, and, and just like making it bigger and saying, okay, what names are on there? That could be clues for later on. And <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I looked into that. I was like, who, who are these people on the board? And they've, they use like some of the crew names basically as, oh, as like nice. homicide victims basically <laughs> on the board, which is a nice touch. Oh, that is cool. Um, this was only in 1993 as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's 26 years old now, but uh, still nonetheless, wow. it looks... It looks like 1993, but it it's still it's still it's still pretty good. It's it's a very yeah. gritty drama, as you say. 31st of January, 93. 50, Super Bowl. 50, it, uh, it was first aired when the Super Bowl ended. This was the first show on after that. Wow! So it had massive oh, audience. Yeah. Blimey, that is peak time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 48 minutes, so it's now all a slot, and they end up doing seven seasons, as we mentioned, which yeah. is 122 episodes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote the score down, and I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, I'm very disappointed in myself for writing that number. <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, Homicide Life on the Street yeah. episode was called Gone for Good. Should we go through the... Uh, we can do the commandments, commandments now if you yeah. want and score at the end. I quite like that way. Um, okay. So do you want to watch episode two? I do. Yeah. I do. I'm not in a rush because I, I did I did really like this episode, but I can wait a couple of months. Yeah, I'm not... I've got a queue and it'll be on my queue, but where would Yeah, it it's going in the queue, but it's, yeah. I don't think it's, it's not top of my list to keep watching at this point, yeah. so... We've talked about the theme song. Is it memorable? No. I wouldn't say so. It's right. Yeah. But it's not memorable. Yeah, exactly. Does it introduce you to a new character or journey? Tim Bayliss. Yeah. Detective Bayliss, absolutely. Exactly. Perfect. Would you pause for a pee? No. I think you're right. I think there's four four inter, interwoven storylines here. And I think you could pause for a pee. I think, I think you could go mm. to the toilet. I think the, the overarching storyline is the... Them, yeah, and I don't think you'd lose a lot if you were out of the room for a couple of minutes for a week. Yeah, good, good shout. Uh, do you feel emotionally connected, love or hate, with one or more of the characters? For me, it was G, uh, but I did like Frank as well. I liked Frank. <laughs> um, I sort of, he was a arrogant little 
Torzak, yeah. but um, I, I kind of respected him for it. But Bayless, and, of course, as well. And Bayless yeah. as well. I kind of, you know, he's not coming sort of, he's got a fresh face, but he's not cocky or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, not a huge emotional pull, but mm-hmm. I'm, I like them enough. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend it? Yeah, to a proper crime drama fan, I would. Yeah. Someone who like who wanted an, a crime drama, yeah. I would say, give give this a go. I would say, if you like The Wire, I know you're not a fan of the pilot of The yep. Wire, but The Wire is genuinely one of the best TV shows ever made. Yeah, if you say so. <laughs> it really is. And if you like The Wire, there, wouldn't be, there would not be The Wire without this show 159%. That's a, a very specific <laughs> yeah. percentage, yes. Uh, okay, fine. Well, yes, I would. I would recommend it uh, to the right person, I think. Is there a mic drop moment? I don't think there's a mic drop. No. I think the ending is a nice taste of what's to come, where they slightly bend the rules to kind of get someone to, to, to kind of confess to, to a crime. And yeah. I think it's not a mic drop. It's more like, ah, okay, so that's where, where they're going. They're willing to do that. Yeah. Um, does it defy expectations? For me, I enjoyed it more than I thought. Oh, <sighs> no. So you expected more going into this? Yeah, but I think I expected the wrong thing. Okay. So, to be fair to the show, I think I went in with the wrong expectations, not too high an expectation, yeah. just the wrong expectations from the show. Okay. So. And did it defy those expectations, though? No, it was it was underwhelming in that oh, sense, okay. but... I think I went in as I I went in assuming it was one thing and it wasn't. So has it aged well? For me, no. I I agree. It looks like it was made in nineteen ninety three. It looks like nineteen ninety three, and that one little bit in the morgue with the the coroner. You didn't like that. It was all right, but it was close to being a little bit like you know, what's a pretty girl like you doing in a place like this? It's a bit like, oh come on, mate. (laughs) Seriously, I think that's quite funny though. You it's, go to a morgue and you say that it's like, yeah, no, it's, come here uh, often. <laughs> it's a little bit dated. So it, that's, that's twenty six years. Dated. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, and it's the hype reel. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't heard of the show before you yeah. suggested it. So if there was any hype, I hadn't heard about I, it. I hadn't watched the show before, but I I knew that how influential this was for other crime shows later on. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It didn't blow me away. Um, which I didn't really expect it to. Um, okay. But I think it was probably as good as I thought it would be. Let's score it in a little while. Yeah. First things first, though, let's talk about the other show this week. It yeah. is my one. It's a brand new show. Uh, just, in fact, finished a six-part series um, on the BBC. It is The Capture. but very good at tone setting. It sounds like a like a police cop show type. So for drama. me, for me, it is Sherlock Holmes meets Westworld. I think that bass was a little bit Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit as well, yeah. I think that's the, the BBC element, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Uh, it sounds like a BBC cop show yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, and please believe me when I say that yeah. that's not a bad thing because no. uh, some of the dramas they've made of late have been very very good indeed very high quality um, so, this one yeah this is very very good indeed uh, The Capture What Happens in Helmand uh, title of the first episode oh I never knew um, okay. CCTV Control Room is where it opens up 
Yeah. Uh, that's where we first introduced. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a couple of people sat there monitoring all these screens, watching all the world go by and the nightlife and things. Um, they they seem to have sent down one of the other guys in the room to the you know the chip shop across the road and they're, yeah. they're, they're literally using the cctv to watch which chip shop he picks brilliant and they're like did um, we say chicken chicken cottage or yeah yeah chicken chow it's like they say one one restaurant and obviously he's gone to the other one and he's like, and like, like, like what's such a such a what is he doing he comes back and they're like we said so and so and obviously they all know that when they go down to get the takeaway you don't, watch, the they're, 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 well, yeah, they don't go to chicken chow. They don't go to chicken chow, but also they know that they're watching each other because yeah. <laughs> they've got the power to do so. Um, and that's, that's a nice, nice touch. I think it's a nice little moment to show that they are humans, just yeah. like the rest of us who do maybe normal-ish jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the essence of this opening scene is who does normal-ish jobs out of us? <laughs> no, well, that, well, that's why I said the ish bit because yeah. you and I don't do normal jobs. Uh, one of the operatives is watching stuff. She, she calls one thing in. She sort of says, you know, there's a bit of a disturbance going on here. Just keep an eye out. Um, everything else seems to be fairly normal. She sort of catches one of the screens of the corner of her eye and sees a couple having a little discussion by a bus stop. Yeah. And looks kind of like they're, you know, maybe had a few drinks, maybe get a bit flirty, we're get, a bit, little get, a, get a bit close. Anyway, yeah. so we're only getting little, little snippets of it. Anyway, so she's still watching away and there's a little smirk on her face as if to say, oh, oh that's nice. Yeah. You know, they yeah. just finished their night out and they're having a little maybe kiss goodbye and whatnot. And then the camera um, holds on her face. And, and then and her face changes into like fear yeah. and shock and horror. Uh, you don't go back to the footage at this point. You see very little else. Very clever. Um, so you have no idea what she's seeing, but you can only assume it's something from that mm-hmm. shot that she's looking at. Yeah. Bang, title sequence, here we go. Um, clever use of manipulated CCTV footage. Yeah. Deliberately using the word manipulated. I've only seen the episode once and no spoilers, by the oh, way. Oh, there's no spoilers. Okay, cool. Don't worry. But um, very, I was shocked, basically, because we're led to believe one certain uh, series of events happened. And then when we see the evidence, we're like, oh. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're led to believe one thing's happening yeah. and then something else happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that uh, CCTV control room uh, scenario how plays out, the title sequence rolls, and then you get an 18 hours earlier. Yeah. And you're introduced to a character called Sean Emery. He is a uh, soldier, former soldier in, in Helmand province. Um, and but, but he's in prison. He's in prison at the moment. And he appears to have a hearing uh, for his um, appeal. War crimes, basically. Yes, war crimes that he's been accused of, which is what he's been in prison for. Um, you learn shortly after that he's been in prison for about six months. Um, but you don't know what for at this point until you get to the until you get to the courtroom a little later in the episode. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a new boss arriving on the estate in a lo- with a long-serving cop. So this is where you get introduced... Uh, to DI Rachel Carey. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is played by Holiday uh, Granger. Um, oh, I don't know who it is. Where have we seen her before? Have we seen her? I think we have. She's really and familiar. And I cannot looking. remember where yeah. from. I don't know if it's something we've actually done yet on the show. Though. Okay. But, she looks really familiar. Um, she is the new cop on town. In town, she's in charge. Um, she is with uh, DS Nadia Latif, who has obviously been on in you know in this job for a little while now. Yeah. So they both turn up in this cop car on this sort of well-known estate for being a bit troubled. And, um, so, yeah, so you kind of, you know, you're, you, you've learned quite quickly um, there's a new character in town in the head, in the DI, in, the DI, uh, in Rachel Carey's character um, uh, role. So we're, in a way, sort of following her. Mm-hmm. She's, she's come over from counter-terrorism, which you find out 
within the episode itself. Again, there's no spoilers beyond episode one. You ha- have you watched on or not? No, no. But I know she's looking for promotion, so they've they've assigned her to this particular case to yeah, solve. So. A big case before yeah, they li- give her the li- big job. Little detail is in order for her to head up her own team in counterterrorism, she has to prove she can do it at a slightly lower level. Yeah. So she's sort of not farmed out, but she then goes sort of down to working elsewhere in the field to prove her worth and yada yada. Um, so yeah, you meet the new boss. She goes out to sort of look and discuss another another case that's unfolding, yeah. and um, you meet Dave Rachel and Nadia. Then you get the court case with the evidence um, showing he did it. So Sean Emery's uh, appeal and he's in court in his uniform. He's allowed to obviously dress in his uniform to be on show in his, in his get up. Um, they're watching some footage of something out in Helmand, I assume uh, where he shoots an insurgent. Mm-hmm. The uh, prosecution is saying you're offering no evidence whatsoever. And it's filmed on a GoPro on, on someone else's yeah, helmet. Yeah. It's a head cam for this. And um, so it's not looking like the appeal's going very well and it looks like he's going to be back in the cell within a few hours. So, you know, that's that then. Um, but then they call another witness to the stand. Mm-hmm. And this witness is a broadcast... Uh, expert? Uh, engineer expert, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, pioneered a lot of camera technology. I, I assume he's based on probably a real person, I imagine. Yeah. Um, someone who developed the technology to put uh, cameras in goalposts and in uh, wickets at cricket, yeah. uh, Formula One cars, so that televised sport could be even closer to the action. Yeah. Uh, and they ask him about the idea of using these little head cams, action cams, things, and they're not you know, the highest spec ones in the world, but they're good enough to capture what they need to capture so they've got some evidence of what happens. Yep. He then, you know, suggests that actually if you've got a, a cheap version like this, over so much time, you'll end up with this sort of, well, unsynchronized audio and video. So yep. actually the audio, and the, the audio and the video are completely out of sync after a certain amount of time. After an hour of recording, it can be up to five seconds of yep. delay. So, so this is what I found really interesting because... They're obviously setting up the scene that you can't trust your eyes all the time. Like sometimes video technology can prove to be... Unreliable. Unreliable, yeah. And I thought, ah, clever. Very, Mm. very clever. But also I was thinking, oh, they really really want this guy to be off for some reason. I I think it's a bit of two things here. I think it's setting up the flaws within video technology. Mm -hmm. I think it's also setting up and exposing the way you can manipulate video. Yeah. And I'll leave that there because mm-hmm. I don't want to go onto too much more well, from what's in episode one. Yeah. But I think you get the hints in this episode quite strongly yeah. that not is all basically to be believed. That what yeah. you see on film should always be taken with a little bit of... So so I'm going to try and explain what happens in my own with only seeing episode one. Okay. So I've only watched episode one, uh, three. So I'm, oh, only, okay. I'm only a few episodes ahead, but there are only right. six to go. So Okay. So what I've seen, so this this soldier, he's having, um, he, he's, he's been let off. He's having his kind of like get out of jail party. His lawyer turns up. She leaves when she sees him having a bit of a Barney. Yep. And he's, he, likes it. he likes her. So he follows her and is like, look, I don't want you to be my lawyer anymore because I'm into you. And she's like, cool, I'm up for that. This whole th- and this is the uh, scenario on the bridge that we see from the point of view at the start um, in the contr- in the CCTV room. Yeah, but we see it from the. From May have a little kiss. Yeah, she gets on the bus. Exactly, as far as we know. So fast forward to the next day where um, the police are called because in, from the CCTV room they potentially saw something different. 
and he's in he's got his new lawyer and he is in the um the questioning room um being questioned oh yeah but he said by the way he's gone home he's asleep and they yeah. charge his flat or well, his granddad's flat because yeah. he's done with his granddad and they take him into the cell yeah and then say so the the, bar- the other barrister from the same law firm that was with him representing him earlier has turned up to say you know it's all right we'll we'll get through this it's fine yeah. and they show him the video. The CCTV footage that the original operative well, First sees. of all, they're like, where's the, where's the lawyer? Where's the female lawyer? I can't remember what her name is. Hannah. Where's Hannah? And he's like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like, she went home. And then we're like, okay, we're now showing the suspect. Um, CCTV footage. Mr. Mr. Emery. Yeah. We're now showing Mr. Emery CCTV footage of last night at 2.35am or whatever. Yeah. And he's watching it. He's like, right, and, and. And he shows the kiss. And he's like, right, and, yeah. And then you see her, him dragging her from the um she's about to get on the bus she mm. he drags Pulls her, her back drops her to the floor and, and then a, drags her off outside out of the yeah. camera's angle and then you see his car speed off so what are you meant to think and he's like well, no that did and not he happen he loses his mind that did like, not happen he just goes mental falls to the floor and then when they say like yeah oscar winning performance there but he can't believe what he's seen and it looks so realistic yeah and the whole time this is going on um so Sean is like, is that he's losing his mind because he isn't in his spine. And you would she well. got on the bus. If that happened to me, I would trash the place. I'd just be like, she got on the bus. Yeah. He went home. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. He knows nothing other than that. That's what happened. Yeah. So what? Where this? He's like, where have you got this footage from? That's been like, it's been tampered with. It's been fixed. But, and bear in mind, he's just been released from prison. Yeah. Based on evidence that a video was inaccurate yeah. in the original conviction, anyway. So now he believes Which, he's being set up. Again, but it was interesting because obviously he's the victim here, but he definitely killed that the guy in war. Yeah, yeah, which he doesn't yeah. deny. And as I said, like when you know when you're being you know shot at by insurgents, the yeah. last thing you're worried about is whether someone's got a camera on their head. Yeah, you know, ultimately, I was doing what I needed to do to protect myself. But he was the person was like. But there unarmed. was a little bit of sort of. But then it's hard to make any judgments. And I don't have any really close friends or anyone who's been frontline armed forces. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can only imagine yeah. the sort of mindset you must have to be in or you end up in yeah. to work in that sort of environment, work in that environment, to be in that environment yeah. where it's a choice of, well, if I don't shoot them, they may shoot me. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't even begin to fathom that, so I wouldn't yeah. even be, pretend to. But there's, there's definitely a, an element of him having no remorse, maybe is the right word, wrong word. Sense, sensitivity to the situation. He did what he thought was was right. In the moment. Even though it was wrong from anyone else's eyes. Yeah. Um, so my sympathy for him was a little bit diminished until I saw the video and was like, oh, hang on, that didn't happen. Mm. And then I was confused for what, what I've seen. I'm like, Especially because the whole time that he's going absolutely bananas, yeah. D.I. Rachel Carey's in the room, in the interview room. She's sitting there watching him do it, like going nuts. Yeah. Pulls herself back from the table a little bit so she doesn't get collared. But yeah. She's watching him the whole time as if to say, like, is he putting this on? Yeah. Because I imagine there'll be some that would. Yeah. Or is this a genuine surprise to him? Like, he doesn't think that he does. No, that's true. Like, it's all tampered with. Yeah. And maybe something else is untoward here. Because they checked Hannah's house. She's not there. Yep. And they checked what they, they thought he should be in his, in his boot. Checked his boot. Um, and I don't see... They, they call the evidence because there's nothing in his boot but they call the evidence team to try and figure out the forensics to see if there's anything yeah. any traces of blood or anything so I don't know what the outcome of that because it is in episode one they also check the river where there's a blind spot with CCTV cameras in the city uh-huh. to check if there was a body there 
um, and up until and that's, then, that's, that's, that takes you right towards the end of the episode. Yeah. That's we're getting really close to the end of the episode at this point. Um, a, a show that's uh, an hour long as well. The episodes yeah. are an hour long. It's an hour long, but it, it flew by. Yeah, I it was does. Really interested. And up to the bar, I would say probably the last minutes, mm-hmm. maybe even the last thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, all you're being led to believe is he's lying, hiding something, putting it on. The evidence is clear. There's blind spots. He knew what he was doing. He drags her out of shot from the CCTV footage, puts her in the car, mm-hmm. um, gets rid of the body somehow, cleans the car out. There's lots of blind spots along the river. They go searching in the river. Yeah. But they have nothing else, nothing other than this one bit of CCTV footage at this point. But the detective says maybe he, do- maybe he doesn't know that he's done it. And then you get to see him. him he's Curled sitting up there on the floor, thinking himself. about it, thinking, did I do this? Can I just not remember for some reason? Mm. And it's really interesting. Because if you're putting that situation yourself, little flashes flashbacks. of things that may or may not yeah, have happened. Well, I think that's because he watched the video and it's been implanted in his head. I think it's really interesting. Well, I wrote down PTSD, question mark. So it, being that he's been in you know a, a, you know a frontline sort of war zone, yeah, and now he's being forced to think that he might have done something he can't remember, yeah. Having been imprisoned wrongly, and I use that in air quotes as well because yeah. maybe he was imprisoned correctly, maybe the footage has been proven to be inaccurate, but actually they just found a loophole to get him out of prison. Because ultimately, that's what a that's what a barrister is supposed to do. If you're in de- if you're a defence barrister or lawyer, my your predi- job is to find evidence yeah. that proves you innocent. My prediction here is they so the some shady organisation, the government or whatever, wanted him to get off his initial charge because they wanted to pin, they wanted rid of this of this lawyer for some reason. She was too far into another case. They wanted rid of her, so they manipulated it so he would get off his first charge and then be blamed for her murder. Um, Okay, that's what I think is going to happen. But this is this is a show that I am genuinely going to go home and watch the next episode, like because I'm like, what happened next? Well, I can tell you already. I've watched the first three. I'm yeah. due to watch the, the fourth episode probably tomorrow night. Actually, because the other half and I are watching it together. Yeah, um, yeah, really into it. Okay, and good. no spoilers, mm-hmm. but Ron Perlman is in this. Oh. Can it get any better? Okay. Not in the first episode. I know <laughs> yeah. that. And I shouldn't take that into consideration with my scores. Yeah, yeah. But Ron Perlman is in this show. If he was in the first episode, I'd get an extra point. Ron Perlman. There's not a lot of room to give it an extra point in my books over here. But, um, oh, okay. Interesting. Ron Perlman uh, comes in, and that's all I'm saying on that front. Um, is he just as Hellboy? Who, he's Hellboy, uh, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's just Hellboy. Yes, Hellboy Just, just bursting as Hellboy. Yeah. But also on a Sons of Anarchy bike. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, was there a Hellboy TV show? There's no, not, is there? Should be, though, shouldn't there? There's, there's a corner of the market. Have you seen the new Hellboy? No. Um, good? No, it's oh, not okay. good. <laughs> Fair enough. I won't bother then. Yeah. Uh, so 3rd of September, the first episode aired, and I believe last week, when we're recording this at least, yeah. uh, the, the sixth episode aired. It's just finished. All yeah. available on the iPlayer now. Yeah. So if I've you do want to watch it. But it's, I honestly really like, like it. Like you know, it. Bodyguard, in, in my mind, it's like and there's lines of Bodyguard, yeah. you know, that sort of quality it, as well. It so feels quite similar, actually. And yeah. you probably recognise Sean Emery if you do watch it. It's Callum Turner. He's been in lots of dramas and, and things of late. So he's, he's a big kind of, he's a big deal at the moment, mm. which, is, which is great to see him doing more work as well. Um, loved it. Loved it. Um, do you yeah. want to do Commandments? Yes, the Commandments. And then we'll do the uh, Scoreboard. Do you want to watch episode two? Yep. Yes, I definitely do. Does it yeah. have a memorable theme tune? No, no, but tone setting. Yeah. Does it introduce you to a new character or journey? 
Yes, D.I. Rachel Carey. Yeah. She joins the, the crew and she's the new one on the case. Mm-hmm. And it's a new case as well. Yep. Uh, does it introduce you to new characters on that? Would you pause for a pee? I think you have to. Whether you'd want to or not isn't the matter. I think you'd. I think you would do it because you wouldn't want to miss a detail. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I. I would pause because I. I think this is quite an intricate one, mm. so I wouldn't want to miss a bit. Do of Do you evidence. feel emotionally connected, love or hate, with one or more of the characters? I feel sorry for Sean. Yeah, I feel sorry for, for Sean. quite a lot of. Mo- but a lot also, of this. he he's. It's a grey area because I think mm. he's a bad guy as well at the start because I think he killed that person in cold blood. It, you're questionable about him yeah. the whole time. It's interesting. Uh, would you recommend it? 100%. Yeah, yes, definitely. it was. Is there a mic drop? I... Uh, well, the, well the, the evidence when, it, when it's shown, um, the video, the fact yeah. that it's not how we thought it would be, I think that's a bit of a mic drop because I was literally like, no way. And that, if that's not a mic drop, I don't know what is. That's true, yeah. If yeah. there's a no way in it, there's a, there's a mic drop. Is there a no way slash mic drop? Uh, maybe that should be the redefined uh, rule. Come on, then. Does it defy expectations? Yeah, this is... I had heard nothing mm. about this. Yeah, I must Somehow admit, it's, it. it's just sort of bumbled along and then it was like, bang, you've got to watch the caption. I'm like, okay. Yep. Uh, has it aged well? Brand new show. Brand Hard new to show. answer, but yeah, I think well, it I will, think it's one of those... It feels like a classic already. stand up. Uh, and is the hype real? I didn't hear any of the hype, but I'm sure there was well, hype out there. I, that was the only reason it came to my detention in the first place a couple of people went you've got to watch those capture okay. it's brilliant and I was like okay there's some hype right there watched it loved was it, it. carried on yeah awesome hype is real <laughs> so score time homicide life on the street gone for good score for you Mr. Jed Shepherd. I'm gonna I think some of the elements are a little bit dated you're right but I think it also genuinely brings a lot of new techniques to the table and it needs to be respected for that mm-hmm. I like the characters I thought it was funny and weird and um, yeah I enjoyed it um, I'm gonna give it a 7.5 I would go higher, okay. Um, but it was the mundanity was also a positive and a minus for me, so mm. 7.5 for me. I'm bumping my score up a tiny little bit okay. um, based on our review, our chat together. I like to try and be honest about it. In the moment, yeah. I wrote down five. Okay. Because I was really concerned that I just was lost the whole time in it, right. constantly chasing my tail. But actually... It's it's a show that's made me work for it, made yeah. me invest my effort and energy into it mm-hmm. in order to get engrossed in the story and the characters. So I'm going to give it a six point five. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to bring it up. This gives it a fourteen out of twenty. Doesn't make the top fifty, but no, it it's doesn't. A decent but that's a, score. That's a that's a sturdy score indeed. Yeah. Um, however, does it beat the capture? What happens in Helmand? What do you think? Um, I think it is one of the best things that I've watched in a while. Wow. Okay. Um, I think it's very few things that let it down. Mm. I think it's simple, but but also very detailed and very complex. Uh, lays out a lot. And that last little moment, those little flashes in the cell, make you question stuff even further. For me, it's a really strong show. It's a nine. Wow. I'm going to give it an eight. All right, fair um, play. I think there's room for improvement. I'm sure we'll improve. Great. Agreed. Um, it's mine. That's why I've only got nine. Yeah. <laughs> it could definitely be better. Yeah. Um, f- f- yeah. But maybe when I watch it all, it will, it will kind of boost up the, the mental score in my mind. But for now, it's an it's a eight. All right. All right, all right, all right. 17. I'll find the place in the league table where that goeth next. Yeah. Um, but we should probably think about next week. And next week's episode, if I'm right in doing my math, mm-hmm. takes us to... Halloween Eve. Oh, should we do something a bit? So, should we do a Halloween Eve themed yeah. week? I feel like we've we've run out of Halloweeny type shows. No, Have we, done, um... we haven't. There's got to be some old sort of like oh, can I anthology like yes, 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 yes. Come on, you're the man. Yeah. 
well, this is on my own personal list I really wanted to do, and I think there's no time like the present. I want to do Roll Dahl's Tales of Something Unexpected, which... You won't hear any complaints from me, mate. Roll Dahl gets marks every yeah, time from me. Tales of the Unexpected. And I'm going to go as far as to say that the theme song for this is one of the most memorable and best theme songs of a TV show ever. Well, okay, that's um, strong wording. And I think it's so good, the theme song is almost ten times better than the actual show itself. Um, well, now now yeah. you're making me think that the show's rubbish. Well, I sometimes go on YouTube just to, and just watch the, and just have the theme song. And the reason why... This is coming from the man who skips the intros of so, all no, the shows on Netflix. You, can, you can't skip this intro. You can't skip this intro. Okay. It's famous. Doing a quick search of things comparative to Tales of the Unexpected. I've got... If, you, if you're struggling, I've got a few in mind that also begin with the word tales. Well, I think it may be perfect to do... If there's Tales of the Unexpected, if there's another Tales-based show, an anthology, like, creepy, horror thing. I mean, you're the man for this sort of yeah. thing. So in, in a way, I'll let you pick the two shows this week if you want. Well, I'll, I'll give you a few options. There's, um, there's Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, yeah, one of those. Which one's the least scary? <laughs> um, I, I think Tales from the Dark Side is a bit underappreciated, so it'd be cool if we did Tales. Okay, fine. If you think it's under... Okay, yeah, let's do Tales that one then. Tales from the Dark Side. Okay, let's do Tales from the Dark Side yeah. and Roll Dolls Tales of the Unexpected. Yeah. Little bit of Tales a, Week. Tales Week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. We'll do that then. Um, but we're very happy to take uh, show suggestions from you. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. It is appreciated, and we hope you do... Find some new TV to binge watch and such, whether it's old or new stuff. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we're always on the market for uh, for new TV show. Let us know. Um, let and us if know you like these are. shows, like let us know what you liked about it. Yeah, especially if you've got particular th- comments to make about the shows. You know, we're, well, it doesn't even matter if you're listening to this like you know 2023. <laughs> Just tweet us anyway. We'll probably yeah. still be on Twitter, rabbiting on about these shows. So find us on Twitter at Jed Shepherd, I believe. Yep, at Jed Shepherd, which is J E D S H E P H E R D. And I'm at the Jellyman. That's T H E Jellyman. Yeah. Uh, so your tweets are welcome. Hashtag put it on the list. If you come up with two shows that you think could do a good, nice, a good uh, match, kind of verses, yeah. whack them together, and yeah. we will we'll do that as the whole episode. You yeah. get the credit for the whole episode. Um, why not? Why not? So tales of the unexpected versus tales from the dark side. Take one one seven. The Halloween Eve next week. Oh, that just leaves me to say, see you later, alligator. In a while, crocodile. Ah, uh, here it goes. <laughs> I get to say it this week. <laughs>